Welcome back uh, to the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada show in Toronto. We are going to continue more corporate updates. Uh, we're going to stick with the Yukon, but come back to the exhibit floor and sit in with Paul Westsell, CEO of Western Copper and Gold, uh, continuing to trade on the TSX and the NYSE with WRN. And uh, Paul, welcome back to PDAC. You know what? It's uh, great to be here. It's uh, been a busy morning. There's a real good vibe here, and uh, yeah, excited to be back at PDAC. How many years have you been coming to this show? You know what? I don't even want to count. <laughs> Although, you know what? Every every downturn, we get a better booth position, so we're pretty good. I mean, we've got you know Agnico's down two booths, and Rio Tinto's down at the end of the. So yeah, it's good. We're on a good corridor now, right? All right good for booth positions and marketing. Not so good for uh, investor returns. So I'll take that. But <laughs> but I mean, things are you know it, it certainly seems like picking up. Listen, you just came back from uh, the BMO conference as well in in in, in Florida, uh, straight up here to Toronto. I mean, obviously this is crazy conference season. You know. I mean, since it's only the first couple hours of PDAC, I'd really like to get a sense of what you heard, what some of the themes were going on at BMO. From my understanding, there were some OEM companies there as well. Like, that's a new thing for the industry. We keep talking about manufacturers being interested in mining. Um, so anyway, just general sense, what was your time in Florida like? You know, it, it was really interesting. Um, and what, what I really noticed at the BMO conference was that, you know, there was, there was, there was I think every car manufacturer was there. Um, there were generalists there. And, you know, what are they after? They're after copper. They're after lithium. They're after molybdenum. It's critical minerals. It's supply chain minerals. Um, you know, we had a very, very busy schedule. Uh, and, you know, some of the, you know, some of the generalist funds that we met with, you know, they're like, we're investing in, you know, energy the energy transition, and so the, it was a different set of investors than I've seen, you know, in in pre than in previous years. And yeah, I mean, of course, there's still the people that are investing in the sector that are mining mining investors. But it was really nice to see some, you know, energy transition funds, generalist funds that are are interested in, you know, copper, you know, copper names, copper developers like ourselves. I mean, we've been hearing these talks about those companies being interested in reshoring their supply chains uh, lately, and I can't remember, people listening will probably be able to pinpoint it as soon as I start mentioning it, but there was a major miner that came out publicly in an interview and, and said, you know, it's nice to see these car companies being interested when where their metals are coming from, but leave the mining to us, that's what we're good at. And it just, you know, it kind of really resonated because I think as investors, we keep on thinking, oh, it'd be, it'd be lovely to have a Volkswagen come in and, and back a project that I'm invested in. But do we really want Volkswagen doing the mining? You know, and so, like, I think we still quite haven't figured out what the relationship looks like. But do you think we get to a point to understanding what works and what doesn't between these two types of business strategies? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the first thing is, it's fine. I don't think that the mining industry wants Volkswagen to do the mining, but we want their money. And I mean, I think the exciting news last week was actually Stellantis, which is you know the the uh, company behind 
Dodge and Fiat and a, a bunch of those ones uh, making their investment into McEwen Mining. And, you know, the McEwen Mining has got the Los Azulas project and it was, it's a bit of a, you know, it takes a little bit to unpack the, the investment. It's a bit of a unique investment, but at the end of the day, here's a car company investing in a large, a large copper porphyry, uh, in this case in Argentina. So, um, but at a, at a stage, at a development stage, which honestly is probably a couple, you know, steps behind where we are. So, um, excited to see that. I mean, I think that, you know, what I think that the industry could use from the you know, the car industry is that sort of impetus to, to move things forward. I mean, as we all know, this is a very cyclical industry and, and you know, there's a lot of investment for a few years and then it disappears for a few years. So if we can find a steady state of, of uh, investors, you know, from a new sector, I think that's, that's exciting and needed to get some of these big projects that take multiple cycles to get off the ground through permitting and development, uh, in, into being mines. Did you have any meetings with car companies last week? I did not have any meetings with car companies last week, but uh, you know, next time, I mean, but we're, we're working hard on that. Well, and I'm just kind of curious, like how you might leverage your relationship you now have with Rio Tinto. Listen, like not every junior mining or project developer is going to have, uh, you know, car company procurement people in the Rolodex, right? But potentially, a major company such as Rio Tinto could has that potentially has that relationship or could have that relationship quite quickly. So I'm just curious how you know you leverage your current relationship with Rio Tinto to maybe get to that next stage of making those relationships. Is that even a thing? Are you thinking about that? Is Rio Tinto thinking about that? I know you're not going to speak on behalf of Rio Tinto, but just, you know, just kind of thinking about continuing to leverage those ideas. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't, I can't speak for Rio, but I mean, you know, I think, you know, what the Rio investment does is, is it sort of signals, obviously, to the market, okay, you know, this is, a, I mean, because I mean the history, and you know, go back probably <laughs> when when we first did the the deal. We probably told your listeners this, but you know, I mean, Rio did about a year of diligence before they made their investment, and then the investment was really for them to do another level of diligence. And now, you know, we're sitting in in this position where, uh, you know, we should know in the next six months what what the next step is with with Rio, and. Um, and you know they did their diligence. Of course, it's about the, the quality of the ore body and um, you know the economics of the, of the project. But the other thing that come and this actually came up in BMOM was a bit of a theme was you know the idea of country risk is becoming a lot more real. We've seen it. I mean, obviously, you know, a country like Peru has had a lot of political strife. I mean, I think they'll get through it, sure. But you know, there's going to be two, three years of lost or reduced production of copper out of that country. Uh, you just had, you know, Cobre Panama and Panama have real issues with that. So I think the idea of country risk is coming back onto the table as being something that's important. And so, of course, us in the Yukon, in Canada, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time saying, look, I can, you know, put my hand on my heart and tell you that no one's going to nationalize our mine. <laughs> Well, and, and, and what I notice in doing some preparation for a presentation I'm giving here at PDAC is there's actually some regulations in place through the Inflation Reduction Act where if you are creating, if you're building electric vehicles, 
as the years progress, your material has to be sourced from either North America or North American trade agreements. So that, I mean, it's not just like jurisdictional risk, it's like somebody could nationalize your project. It's literally the governments are telling you you can only do business with certain other countries. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's an excellent point. And I actually met on Thursday with the Council General of the United States, and he met with a number of mining companies, and that was exactly it. I mean, that was his message. He was like, look, there's a big drive within the Biden administration around developing, you know, their list of critical minerals, and it's the Inflation Reduction Act, it's... Uh, there's another act through through the defense um, defense procurement act, I think, or something like that. You know, there, there there's a few things that have really opened up. You know, there's money that's available um, to to essentially drive projects, like you said, in North America and Canada and the U.S. towards becoming mines, so that we have this long-term source of these critical minerals here, rather than relying on overseas. So what is the latest with Rio Tinto? What's what's the workflow been looking like this uh, late winter into the spring? Yeah, I mean, you know, we sort of wrapped things up. Uh, so issued the, the Met report, uh, you know, that was a news release that came out in June. Um, results, uh, you know, met or actually in a number of cases exceeded what we carried in our feasibility study. Uh, perfect example is around the, the gold recovery, we carried 80% in the feasibility study whereas the test work was suggesting, you know, closer to, eight, eight, you know, 85, 86. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, Rio, Rio has all the data. They've got the data package. They're, they're not asking for, you know, more field work, test work, anything engineering work like that. I mean, you know, I'm still talking to them on a weekly basis about, you know, but they're, you know, they're sharpening their pencils and putting together internally, you know, what they want to do. So I, I think I'm going to... You know, looks like in the next six months we should know what's happening with Rio. But um, you know, all indicators pretty positive at this point in time. Uh, general last question regarding Yukon. We just I just talked to Brandon McDonald uh, and I asked him kind of about the new premier coming in. Uh, he's not new to the territory, obviously. Uh, Range has been uh, you know kind of a uh, a part of the mining and exploration sector in Yukon for quite some time, but he is the new premier here, and so. It feels like the Yukon might be on the cusp of a very large exploration year in general. I, maybe it might be the largest that the territory has ever had. I, would, I, I think I'm logical guess I could say that, uh, but we'll see. But just give us a sense of what the energy is like in Yukon right now to go out there and work on new projects as soon as the season opens up. It's, I mean, I think you're dead on. I mean. You, you look at what's happening, um, you know, and, and it's really been the past couple of years and, and then Range coming in. But, I mean, obviously you had Rio making their investment in us. Uh, you had, you know, Brandon had Lundin make an investment into Fireweed. You've got Hecla that's now purchased ATAC and, you know, bought, um, earlier bought, um, um, Mine's trying to break, but anyhow. Um, no, they didn't buy. They didn't buy ATEC. They bought uh, the silver. But yeah, before that, they bought Alexco. Alexco. Yeah, yeah. They did buy ATEC. I don't think it's not closed yet, but they did buy. ATEC. Oh, I totally missed that news. Ah, well, you have to go pick that up. How did I miss that? <laughs> too busy. Sorry. Too busy. Too busy. Um, but. And then with 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 uh, you know, and everyone calls him Ranch, and he's always been Ranch, but pre Premier Play. It's, it's really good. I mean, and, and it's real 
you know, for our project and our investors, what's really exciting is that there's a big push to connect the the, the uh, Yukon grid, which is an isolated grid, with the uh, British Columbia grid. And I mean, it's like everything is lining up really nicely with this. Um, you know, our project, which is you know pushing really hard right now and forward, we need the. I mean, right now we're looking at using liquefied natural gas. That's great. Um, it's, but it's the best solution we have. But obviously, if we could connect to the, a grid, it would be, you know, it's a game changer because A, we don't have to pay a carbon tax. B, we're talking cheaper power. And so it's a positive from that perspective. It's a positive in terms of the Yukon itself. I mean, if you drive outside of Whitehorse, there are 19 diesel gen rental G diesel generators. I mean, they're running out of energy and there's just no other solution other than connecting to the grids. Um, and then obviously it, you know, this is a bit of nation building. I mean, where, I mean, we did, we talked earlier about the importance of, you know, on sourcing critical minerals. They're going to be in jurisdictions like the Yukon. We need to have clean energy future, a clean energy future up there. And, you know, Premier Pillay gets that, uh, you know, he tweeted out, actually his minister tweeted out, we're starting to look at, you know, connecting the grids. My understanding is they've talked to the Premier of British Columbia, they're on board, you know, the CEOs of the, the various uh, energy corps are on board. So this is moving. Um, and it, it's a game changer for the Yukon, it's a game changer for our project. Um, it's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be it's going to be a big year if you are traveling up to Whitehorse. Good luck getting your hotel room because uh, <laughs> things might already be booked up with services and crews already. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for your time. Good to see you. Enjoy the rest of your next couple days here at the your numpteenth uh, P deck. All right, thanks a lot. Right. That's Paul West sells of Western Copper and Gold again trading WRN on the NYSE and the TSX.